Welcome to a life well lived. Grow, preserve, and transfer your wealth with Ken Olette, CPM Certified Portfolio Manager and founder of Orca Wealth Management. In this podcast, he will provide some clarity in setting goals needed to build, preserve, and transfer wealth and overcome some of life's financial obstacles. Ken provides actionable steps to help you plan through your financial ups and downs in a way everyone can understand. Join us on this journey where Ken will explore many financial avenues, drawing from his three decades of experience in helping others avoid risking a lifetime's worth of work and savings by not having a plan and a strategy in place. Now, on to the show. Hello and welcome to A Life Well Lived with Ken Olette. Ken, what's going on? You know, it's a, uh, it's a great day. We're um, coming up on Thanksgiving, so I'm looking forward yeah. to indulging. Um, you know, that once a year indulgence, I don't indulge any other time of the year, just at Thanksgiving. So it's really a good thing. Oh, well, you have more discipline than I do. <laughs> I, I, I'll make any excuse to indulge on some good food and family and all that. Well, mainly just food. Hey, uh, so I'm, I'm really curious because I don't know who this, this, uh, this podcast is geared toward today. You we're going to be covering nine key things we need to know about recess. So is this like a, uh, I don't know. Is this for school age kids? I mean, I, I haven't had a recess since when I was really, I, really young. I probably on the um, on the show notes, I may have I may have spelled recess when I was meaning recession. So, oh, no, <laughs> I read that happened. wrong. It, it does say recession. Talk on it. I read that wrong. Uh, well, it's not going to be as fun as I thought. No, I'm just kidding. I, I know. Well, that it is kind a of a of- performance recess. Okay. You know, if you will. <laughs> okay. All right. <laughs> I like how you weave that right in there. That, that's fantastic. <laughs> okay. So nine key points we need to know about recession, which uh, if anybody has had a a phone in their hands or or a TV in front of their face or a computer around them, we've heard the word recession. We, we've yeah. heard we're going through one. We're getting to one. We've been through one. Look out for one, blah, blah, blah. So I'd really like to start at the top of your list. What is a recession? Well, it depends, really. I mean, nowadays, uh, it kind of depends on, you know, we, we were in a, an election period, so it depends on who you talk to, right? So mm, if true. you talk to the, if the talk, if you talk to the Democrats, we're, we're in the roaring, we're in just the next, va- next stage of the roaring twenties, like we had back then mm-hmm. speak with the, uh, Republicans were, we're in the depths of the depression, right? So yeah, the, the truth kind of lies somewhere in there in between. And so we try to, when you're looking at a recession, you try to quantitatively look at it and say, okay, how do we define this? And so there's really two ways. Um, traditionally, it's been used as two consecutive quarters of declining GDP. So, you know, what is GDP, right? It's the uh, the basket of all the goods and services that we produce. You want those to be in an increasing number uh, over a period of time. You don't want it to decline. And so they kind of went off it a little bit. So if you get one, you might get an aberration, one quarter of, of declining GDP. Um, if you get two, they, they like to classify it as a recession. Now there's, that's the traditional sense, but now, you know, like I said, we're, we're in an election year, so nobody likes to say that you're in a recession. So now there's a different organization N B as in boy ER, a lot of acronyms in the hmm. finance world, the national bureau of economic research, and they are responsible for the business cycle. So they look at it more towards what is the definition in the business cycle and it's more broad and subjective. So uh, they look at anything that's a significant decline in business activity over a few months. That that's that's more subjective, so you know it gives a little bit more room for for massaging the numbers. Okay, all right. So, 
Yeah. So, I mean, what, what, what is the recession? It's it's basically a decline in activity where you you can feel it. Things are getting worse. I mean, that's really what it boils down to. You feel like you don't feel as good as you did the month, the, the prior two months. All right. Now, now you said a decline in activity that kind of gives me a hint into the next section that you've got or the next point that what causes a recession. So you're saying a bit of a decline uh, in the right. economy, but what else, what, what causes a recession to happen? Well, I mean, we can think, you know, history is a good teacher. So if we can look back, uh, usually the most tangible item uh, is, a, is a result of economic imbalances. So, you know, I use um, I use a little bit, bit more um, realistic term, you know, things just kind of get out of whack, right? So, you know, we had in the 90s and in the early 2000s, we had the dot-com bust mm -hmm. where, you know, I was in the business and I remember... I would be doing my little stodgy dividend portfolios and I would have grandmothers saying, you know, we want to sell Coca-Cola because we really, really need to buy pets.com. You know, so oh, that would, you know, that might be a, a, an imbalance. Yeah. If you will. Yeah. <laughs> right. And so, you know, fast forward to 2008 and what happened in 2008? Oh, well, the housing crisis. Right. Everybody Huge. owned yeah. three houses and uh, two of them, they were flipping because they were making such easy money. And and I think there was a little bit of an imbalance there. Things kind of got out of whack. When mm -hmm. it becomes, I like to think of it when it becomes, the money becomes too easy to get, um, you're, you're probably looking at an excess somewhere. And right yeah. now we've got um, fear of missing out. It's the old FOMO. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, we're seeing it really big right now um, in the currently in the news with FTX, the crypto crisis. Oh yeah, good gravy that that yeah. And we'll do a future podcast all about that because I think we've uh, we've kind of touched on it a little bit. How it's something that we've avoided all these um, throughout the years because because it didn't make a lot of sense. But what you're seeing there is a great example of what caused um, that to collapse. Is you have really really smart people, far smarter than I. Uh, and they they couldn't get past that fear of missing out because mm -hmm. so many people were making so much money allegedly right yeah. <laughs> before the fraud, um, and so you had you had large large investors, very astute people putting money into into crypto, and and it they they've come to find that it was a huge excess, yeah right, um, and then you know one of the one of the causes of a recession is unemployment. We're not seeing that so much now, but you know there's the old saying when your neighbor loses his his job, it's a recession. When you lose it, it's a depression. So we're, we're not at that point yet. Um, but unemployment's a big factor in that. We'll kind of talk a little bit about that and, um, in, in some of the other further definitions. Mm -hmm. Now I know that you don't have a crystal ball and we've talked about that before on the show. Um, but how long do recessions typically last? Yeah, it's good news on that is they're, they're not very long. I mean, historically, I think cap group went back and analyzed 11 cycles and it's going back to 1950. And it shows, the data shows that the typical recession goes from two months on the short end to about 18 months mm, okay. uh, on average. So, you know, you take the average of that, it's about 10 months. And, and so that's not a long time in terms of an investor's life period, right? Yeah, true. Now, you know, if you're, if you've lost your job, that can feel like an eternity, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. um, so I think it's important to note that the average expansion period of the business cycle in this country has been greater than 25%. And the average recession only pulls back two and a half percent of GDP. I'm sorry, so, say that again. 
Say that again. Yeah. So the average the average growth period so the of of the cycle right mm-hmm. is is been twenty five percent of okay. growth. So the average retrenchment or recession has only knocked off two and a half percent of GDP. Hmm. So it's a small price to pay those pullbacks that are relatively short period um, for that long-term growth. You know, I, I always say it's it's like a three-step. It used to be very, the si- business cycles were very, very uh, regimented somewhat. They're, they didn't have these long business cycles that we have now, but it used to be a three-step forward dance and then one step back, three-step forward, one step back. Mm-hmm. Now, now it's kind of gone 10 steps forward. So maybe we get a two or three step back, but that's why you get that extended amount of growth year over year. And then you have to put up with that one year of recession where you get unemployment and retrenchment. Um, but it's, it feels painful when you're going through it, but when you stretch out the accordion, it's not a real bad, um, it, it, it they, they they get forgotten pretty early. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, obviously, except for the severity, right? I mean, because, right. you know, the, the the crashes and things lead to recessions, I'm assuming, or that's kind of how that works a bit. And so when you remember 0809, that mm-hmm. was horrific, uh, but the, you remember the crashes, you don't necessarily remember the quote unquote recession that was a part of it. Right, right. Yeah. You remember you remember the aftermath of what your portfolio looked like if you yes. did the wrong things at the wrong time. And, and speaking of which brings us to your fourth point. What happens to the stock market during a recession? That's a that's an interesting question. Yeah, well, in the short term, the market, um, you know, it's a voting machine. In the long term, it's a weighing machine, and that weight is earnings. So, and you get you get kind of double the double whammy there. You get the votes are you know negative on the market, and the earnings are decreasing. So, the the typical pullback in a market is is you get that bear market territory which is a pullback of greater than 20% with the average being about 35. So mm-hmm. this year we've seen a pullback in the area of about 24 to 25% on the S&P 500. So that would be pretty close to um to a medium type of recession. Mm-hmm. Um and so we've already seen the pullback in the market's kind of come back uh, as we're we're going to to print on this but well, the the short answer is the market um, goes down. It it's it's going to go down in a recession because demand goes down. People are out of work. Their their companies are are laying people off. They're buying less goods, um, so things are shrinking. And that shrinking of the economy it shrinks your four hundred one k, your yeah. IRA, your investment balances as well. But as we alluded to in the previous, it's a relatively short term happenstance. Mm-hmm. Well, and, and I, I got to tell you that uh, you came up in a conversation between my wife and I the other day because you and I were speaking about it. And you're like, eh, you know, people just need to stop looking at their 401k. Not not entirely, but mm-hmm. don't sit there and look at it and say, hey, this is, you know, every day. Oh, my goodness. Look what's going on. Look what's going on. I mean, you've got a you've got an entire work life ahead of you. You know, if you've got a 20 year time horizon, 15 years. There's a lot of time left. Right. And And so. My wife has asked me about that because she's got a 401k and I was like, don't worry about it. We, we got mm-hmm. plenty of time. And, and yes, you're right. It's going to be down. I think it's it, it, why well, we know it's down because uh, she did peek at it, and which is good because it was an opportunity for us to have a conversation. I was like, just don't look at it because we, we've got time. Don't worry about that. That's not money that we need right now. So we're going to we're just going to go ahead and let that be and not let it you know sway us one way or another on what we want to do. Because again, we don't have that full control, so right, you know, right. stop, stop looking at it all the time. And I can, yeah, I don't have. You know, my wife would tell you I don't have the greatest memory in the world, 
like mm-hmm. for dates and stuff, but I can, I have conversations with clients that are date stamped in my head that I, for, and, and, and just to your point that, that you made, I can remember having conversations with clients when the Dow was at about 23,000. Mm-hmm. Okay. It's over, over 30,000 now. Yep. And I remember talking to them saying, Hey, it's at 23. Historically, we're probably due for the business cycle to come to an end somewhere. Are you going to be comfortable with the market going to, you know, 19 or 20? Oh yeah. You know, that wouldn't be, mm-hmm. that would not be bad at all. You know, we've had such a good run. Well, now it's 30,000, you know, and, um, and those same clients, you know, they would, they'd be up in arms if it went back to 19. Right? Oh, well, yeah, yeah. I mean, from thirty something to nineteen, that might be a little scary, right? But but <laughs> it, it always it always just it it always historically has gone higher. So when I got yeah. in the business, the Dow was at thirteen hundred, yeah, one thousand three hundred. Yeah. So you know, it just it it goes higher. But our our we basically put our we keep moving the the hurdle higher and higher and higher. So. Mm-hmm. When you're looking at that 401k, you're thinking, oh, this is going to last forever. You know, it's down. It never recovers. And no, it it does recover and then goes those three steps higher. And so that's what we got to, we really got to focus on what a recession provides you because a recession is not in and itself bad because it gets rid of the excesses, right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. We don't get rid of these excesses. Then we are in real trouble because then we go into vastly difficult depressions. Right. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Or like, like, uh, Japan went, was in a bear market for, for 20 years because they didn't do a good job of getting out their excesses. Yeah. Okay. We do in America, in, in our society and our capitalist, um, environment, we get rid of our excesses rel- relatively quickly. And so we can cleanse the system and go at quality comes back up and, and do better. And so that's what, you, know, you just have to have faith. I mean, that's that's one of the big things. Just have faith in the process. Yeah. Well, through this conversation, you're a wealth of knowledge, and so I know that you're you're actually answering some of these questions a little bit ahead of time. But I know there's more commentary on it. Um, but the next point on your list is what economic indicators can warn of a recession? And you've already kind of covered a couple. But what else do we need to know? Yeah, this is where the uh, the listeners' eyes kind of gloss over a little bit because it gets a little technical. But so I'll try to make I'll try to make this as simple as possible. But there's really five or six points um, that economists kind of look at. I And, and then we'll all, we'll kind of look at if we're there yet, right? So mm-hmm. in inverted yield curve, what does that mean? It means essentially that they're paying you more in interest for longer term or for shorter term CDs, treasuries, money markets, things of that nature than they will for longer term, right? It's upside down. So usually the longer you go out, the more risk you have. So if you have a if you buy a five-year bond, you know, a lot of things can happen to that company in five years. So they're going to pay you a little bit more interest for that going that five-year period. Now, if they're going to pay you uh, less over that five-year period versus the short term, something's amiss there. And that, that that's one of the check marks that you'd look at. All right. Unemployment. Obviously, if you have greater and greater unemployment, Things are, companies are starting to lay people off. Things are not looking good on the balance sheets or the demand that they're seeing. So that would be an, another another reason. Consumer confidence. Um, that's a big one, right? So mm-hmm. how does the consumer feel? Uh, are they, because are, that, that goes into buying, right? If you feel good about things, you're going to go out and want to take extra trips. You're going to want to do home improvements. You're going to want to do things. So if that confidence wanes, you know, you're probably going to put off doing those purchases. Right. So 
that may be a leading indicator. Housing starts. Um, how's the uh, the housing doing? Or because that leads into consumer confidence. If people are feeling good, they're probably going to maybe upgrade their home or what have you. And you know, leading in economic indicators. Um, you know, new car sales, um, retail sales, uh, just leading in economic indicators that kind of show where things are maybe heading, um, uh, mortgage originations, things of that nature. So, you know, the, the good thing to ask is where do we look now, right? So if we go through the, that list right now, we can say, um, how do the leading economic indicators look? No, well, not good. The market's down. Um you know the, the the areas that I say mortgage origi- originations down. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of these things are down. Consumer confidence with housing um, and housing starts. They're they're both at um, epic lows right now. So I think we're at twenty year lows on housing starts, and then consumer confidence has been has been is below fifty, which is considered bad. Yeah. Um, inverted yield curve check. So we've got all of these checked. The one we don't have checked is unemployment. There's still um, a lot of people employed, and employers are still looking to employ yeah. more. So lot, that's a lot the of weird job openings. Yeah, yeah, right. Yeah, a lot of, and, lot of and, job openings. And so I would assume that that also, uh, you know, pours right into consumer confidence. So right. confidence is higher because, uh, well, confidence in that specific area is higher because we know there's tons of job openings, and never anybody pretty much that wants to be employed is employed. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that that kind of changes that piece of it, although, like you said, the confidence is lower in other areas. So it's it's kind of a weird dynamic to have unemployment the where where it is. I'm not complaining, mind you. I mean, I think that's no, a good thing, no, right. It's so. a it's a nice problem to have. I mean, yeah, right? right. If you're looking at this situation, so you know, I was having a nice conversation with a client um, just last week about this. We were trying to decipher what's going on, and and that is the biggest kind of wrinkle to this whole thing is that. How can consumer confidence be so low when everybody's working, wages yeah. are going up? You know, inflation obviously is the big wild card there. So even though everybody's working and their wages are going up, they're not keeping pace with inflation. So that's making people feel poorer. So that mm. that tends to go into the uh, consumer confidence. There you go. Yeah. Yeah. So that would be the only thing I can think of, Eric. I mean, because unemployment is stubbornly low um, mm-hmm. and, and it's it's unique to any type of pullback or bear market that we've seen. We've never seen that I can recall um, a bear market, all these other factors with unemployment being at 3.7%. Yeah. It's unheard of. Crazy numbers, which are good. Again, mm-hmm. we yeah. like that. Yeah, hope it stays that way. All right, number six on the list. I mean, here's the big question. Are we in a recession? Yeah, yeah. So um, once again, I, I think we're on the cusp of it. I don't believe we're deep in it. And right now, it looks it to be a relatively mild recession um, if we do get it. But it, I don't think we can, te- you know, technically, they've already had two uh, quarters of GDP that have been declining. Mm-hmm. But they were very, very slight declines. Um, and the third, de- the second definition I spoke about by the N- MBER um, would tell you that we're not in a recession. So I'm of the camp. So I try to spread the difference on just about everything, right? The truth lies in between. Mm-hmm. So. I, I tend to believe that we are in a slowdown, obviously, and that's by design by the Federal Reserve trying to stem out this inflation. But yet, we're not in a recession yet, but it's coming. Um, the degree and the depth of that reception, uh, that re- recession, will be um, will be known, I think, by the first and second quarter of next year. Okay. 
Well, the next three things on your list all kind of, kind of go together, and I'm going to let you tell me what order we're going to do these, but this okay. is all really about preparing, right? So mm -hmm. number nine on your list is what should you do to prepare for a recession? And I, the reason I say these are kind of grouped together is because seven and eight, uh, seven is how should you position your stock portfolio for recession? And then how yep. should you position your bond portfolio for recession? So what order do we want to take these in? Well, I, I like yours. I mean, do we just group them together and okay. because they're all, they're all kind of lead to the same town, right? Yep. Um, really, if, and I tell people this and I implore people this, if there's a listener out there that doesn't know what to do, if their portfolio goes into recession, please pick up the phone, go on the internet, find yourself another financial advisor, because if you haven't had discussions prior to going into a recession about what your portfolio looks like, what it's designed to do, um, you are not prepared for that recession. And I can't, I'm going to repeat that again. Mm -hmm. If you have not had a conversation with your advisor or your advisor has not reached out to you and spoke to you in depth about what your portfolio will look like going into a recession, then you, you, you're, you're going to have a problem. Okay, hang on now, hang on. I want to reframe that because mm -hmm. you said uh, to the listener, you have not prepared or you're not prepared for a recession. And I'm going to right. flip that just a little bit because if they're working with an advisor, their advisor has not prepared them for a recession. Exactly. exactly. That, that's all there is to it because that's that's what they pay for, right? They, they yeah. hey, you know, this is, I don't know how to do all this stuff by myself. I'm, I'm leaning on you. And if their advisor is not talking to them about this stuff, that's a failure on the advisor's part. And if the consumer doesn't then say, hey, how do we prepare for this? That's a failure on their part, right? Because you know, we yes. do need to take ownership of, of our own scenario. But you would hope that somebody who's getting paid to do their job would do their job. Yeah. And, and, and to, I would say that if, you know, my, one of my clients may even make a comment to the podcast that I have been talking about a recession to clients for about two years. <laughs> you're, fun, so, you're fun at cocktail parties. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I'm like, yeah, exactly. I'm, I'm just, I feel like I'm just the, the you know, the, the guy that uh, just, oh gosh, here he goes again, you know, but <laughs> I know, you know, you talked about 2008, what it did to people. You talk oh, yeah. about 2000, what it did to people. I know what it can do to people. So I'm so wanting to prepare my clients to be ready to do the right things because there's a lot of things you can do at the bottom of a recession in terms of reinvesting the dividends in terms of of getting getting um repositioning to different sectors that you haven't been able to purchase in the past because they were too expensive right because it revalues everything it kind of throws the baby out with the bathwater type of thing mm -hmm. so we can look at certain asset classes that you know, we haven't been able to to take part in because it's just been too expensive. So, you know, I, 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 I've been, I, I like to talk about it prior to, I like to do those fire drills prior to, and mm -hmm. I like to prepare clients because the biggest thing is not doing something that you shouldn't do at the bottom or at the top of a market. And so that's why we're always, I feel like a good advisor is kind of the, um, you know, like you said, like the like the boring, like the person you don't ever want to have at the cocktail party because <laughs> at the top of the market, you say, I didn't no, say you, that. Well, yeah, <laughs> very, very true. You're at the top of the market. You're saying, I, you know, I wouldn't do that. You know, so everybody's like party pooper guy. Here he comes. Yeah. You know? And then at the bottom of the market, you're like, well, I wouldn't do that. You know, um, and so, 
you, you've got to really have a lot of conversations at the top of a market when the market's going great and a lot of conversations when it's going down. And then the in-between is preparing for both of those eventualities. So yeah, we want to hold high quality stuff. You want to hold, you want to hold companies that have good balance sheets, right? It's a great time. You're seeing it now. If you got a bad balance sheet, those companies are going down 60 and 70% right now. Mm. And we're not mm. even in a recession yet, right? Yeah. So you're seeing a lot of good companies. We're doing this, this call on Zoom. You know, and uh, that, that stock's down 70 or 80%. But just because it, it's a good company, but maybe it doesn't have as sterling a balance sheet as, say, Honeywell. Okay. Mm. Um, so they're going to pay the price because there's uncertainty there. Uh, and so we want to try to own going into difficult times companies that have great balance sheets, good free cash flow. They're going to be able to perhaps. When other people are struggling, maybe they can acquire companies at a cheap price so they get yeah. stronger. Yeah. Right. We want to own, we want to be part of that that position. And so we got to review that allocation, get high quality bonds in their shorter term maturities, take advantage of what the yields provide. Um, and then just just get ready for the ride and just get ready for what what happens on on the way out of it. Okay. So that that's more leaning toward the stock portfolio, right? What about what about bond portfolio? Yeah. I mean, you want to own high quality bonds, right? You don't want to have, you don't want to stretch out the high yield sectors where sometimes what you do is you, you'll see people, they want yield. And so mm -hmm. when the market's going down, they're afraid of the market. And so they want to capture some yield. And so they'll stretch out. They think, okay, I'll go to the fixed income market and I'll buy high yield, which high yield is another term for junk, junk bonds, mm -hmm. right? That, that used to be very synonymous with the with the the bad bond deals that were done in the 90s and 80s yeah uh it's kind of now they call it high yield they've kind of gotten the junk name out of there but it's still junk uh, some of that that stuff and so the reason it's junk is because the balance sheets don't look that good they have to pay a lot more interest interest to be able to get you interested in their bonds and sometimes if they have to pay you a lot uh, maybe you shouldn't be in it and and so mm. high yield bonds we, we try to steer clear of those um i always have <clears throat> and then you know, you you got to really look at your your maturities because when you're going into a recession, like where this is a unique one, because we're raising interest rates, the Federal Reserve to to kind of cut back on the inflation or try to stem the inflation tide. So rates are rising relatively quickly, very quickly, in fact. And so, but what happens in a recession is that you want to you you want to so when you're when you're trying to knock out inflation, you're doing what you're trying to stunt demand, right? Mm-hmm. You don't want people to buy as much. Yeah. So um, you're raising the credit card interest. You're raising the car your car interest to buy a new car. You're raising everything. So that way you're, you'll hold off on those purchases. So it kind of stunts demand. And so the inflationary pressures will go away. Now, yeah. when you get into a recession, you want to do just the opposite, right? When you're in the okay. depth of recession. Yeah. You, you want, okay, your demand's gone. We need to up demand. So the Federal Reserve then will start cutting interest rates. So we want to be... We want to look at the the bond market as as an organic thing as well, not just you know people will buy stocks and hold them for twenty years, but uh, with bonds, you have to really look at where the yield curve, where where the most yield is there for to take advantage of, where you won't tie up your money because the biggest thing you know you don't want to you don't want to get a five year bond and get three percent interest when in a year that five year bond is paying six percent. Mm -hmm. uh, the new bonds. So, you know, who wants your 3% or nobody? They, cause they can go out and get sick. So we want to try to have varying maturities to take advantage of both sides, but you got to use high quality bonds. You know, right now the treasury market is, is as high quality as it gets. And there's some very, very attractive yields there.
Yeah. All right. Anything else that we need to cover for today's? I mean, you've hit the nine points beautifully, and uh, and it wasn't boring, my man. I mean, I'd, I'd hang out with you at a cocktail party <laughs> for about five minutes until I went into the. Well, you know, if that bad times are coming, I need to prepare for this. <laughs> That's right. I need to refill my drink, sir. Uh, I'll be right back. Yeah. All right. Any, anything else we need to cover today? No, like I said, I just I mean, the most important thing is if you haven't had detailed conversations with your your current advisor, please um you know call us, go to my website, great information. I'm going to, a lot of these points were um, from capital groups as research. And I'm going to put that piece on my website, which is www.orcawealth.com, O-R-C-A-W-E-A-L-T-H.com. You can get a, there are, are basically um, a lot of the handouts that we do. Also some webinars that we've done. Mm-hmm. And in addition, you can find all of our podcasts there and, and we've covered just, a, well, we've got a few more to cover uh, this year on what's going on, but we've covered a lot of um, economically what, what yeah. we kind of went through. Ton of great information. Mm-hmm. And uh, I, I can't boil this entire podcast down to one sentence, but uh, I, I was reminded, you know, when you were talking about preparing and talking about, you know, folks taking ownership, right, of their own situation, talk to their yeah. advisor, ask those questions. Um, my old granddad used to say, you don't dig a well when you're thirsty. Yep. You don't start digging a well when you're thirsty. You better have it in Mm -hmm. place. You better start digging day by day, you know, if you need to, just to get there. And so you have it when you need it. Uh, you need to prepare, you need to be ready for whatever comes. Um, I think everybody would agree with that statement. So anyway, Ken, fantastic podcast today. Thank you so much for your time. Well, thanks Eric as always. Yep. Yeah, it's enjoyable. And of course, our last thank you goes to you listening audience. Thank you so much for tuning in and listening to A Life Well Lived with Ken Olette, founder of Orca Wealth Management. If you have not subscribed to the podcast yet, please click the subscribe now button below. This way, when Ken comes out with a new podcast, it'll show up directly on your listening device. And we humbly ask you to share this podcast, rate it and leave a review as this actually helps others find the show. Again, thank you so much for listening today. For everyone at Orca Wealth Management, this is Eric Johnson reminding you to live your best day every day. And we'll see you next time. Thank you for listening to A Life Well Lived. Grow, preserve, and transfer your wealth with Kinolet CPM. Click the subscribe button below to be notified when new episodes become available. The information covered and posted represents the views and opinions of the guest and does not necessarily represent the views or opinions of Orca Wealth Management, LLC. The content has been made available for informational and educational purposes only. The content is not intended to be a substitute for professional investing advice. Always seek the advice of your financial advisor or other qualified financial service provider with any questions you may have regarding your investment planning. Orca Wealth Management LLC does not provide legal or tax advice. Clients should seek the advice of a qualified attorney or accountant as necessary.